Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Before we dive in, I want to thank our fans and listeners, especially those who took the time to write us a review. This one comes from organizer Janet. She says, thank you for this. Every woman needs to listen to this. Well, organizer Janet, thank you so much for your five-star rating and review. We really appreciate you. Magic Barclay is the lead practitioner at Holistic Natural Health Australia. Magic's life changed when she faced multiple life-threatening conditions, including stage four cancer. She then decided to find the root cause of her health issues, and that set her on a path of life-changing learning. Magic, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Magic, take us back, give us sort of the timeline of when you started to have symptoms and and what were those symptoms and how long were they going on? Sure. Well, I'd had symptoms for a while, so I just felt like something wasn't right. My weight was skyrocketing. Um, You know, I was just really unhappy in myself and I kept getting kind of sent away by the doctors. Nothing's wrong with you. The tests are all normal within range. Like this is all in your head kind of thing. And I started believing that I was crazy. Anyway, I went on a mission to lose weight and I did. I lost half my body weight, but then I started getting unwell again. And I thought, well, so it wasn't the weight that was the problem. What is going on? So my weight was actually coming back really, really quickly after being gone for quite some time. And I had chronic fatigue syndrome, which I'd never had before. So, you know, I could barely be out of bed for more than two hours a day. In that two hours, I was going to the gym, trying to make my family's meals and do everything. And so I was working out really hard. And I had myself on really restrictive diets like juice fasting, things like that. So it wasn't too many calories that was the issue. But what developed was this problem with not being able to swallow. So I just felt like someone was, you know, trying to strangle me all the time. And I was just sick with everything. You know, the kids come home from school with a cold or whatever, and they'd have the sniffles and I would be like, on the floor surrounded by snotty tissues. Sounds disgusting, but yeah. things would hit me worse than anything. Yeah. And so my immune system was crashing. So what was going on? I had no idea. And the swallowing thing was the hard bit because all I could say to the doctors was, it feels like someone is strangling me. And they were like, well, that's a, you know, that's weird. So did they not suggest an endoscopy? Did someone No, no, they did all the thyroid tests because I said, I think it's my thyroid. And I was Dr. Googling this whole thing, (laughs) Um, you know. So so they were doing that, but the tests were coming up normal. So they were like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's all in your head. So I kept hearing this. They would never say that to a man, right? Well, actually they do. No, they say it to everyone, but they say it more to women. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I finally found a GP who listened to me and I said, listen, I'm not crazy. Well, not to this extent, like we have a <laughs> bit of crazy in us, right? But I can't swallow and my weight's coming back. And he said, cut back on what you're eating, exercise more. I said, I exercise and I'm barely eating. I should be dropping weight, not gaining it. I feel like someone's got lead weights tied to my legs and I've got to drag myself around and I can't swallow. So he actually took me seriously. And he organized a whole lot of tests, starting with, you know, some adrenal tests, some um, cortisol testing. And then he asked me a lot of questions, which no other doctor had ever done before. They just wanted me out of their, their room, like, quickly. And he goes, I think you might have a thyroid cancer, but we need to investigate this. But that's not where it stopped. So my GP, my new GP, was now investigating all of this sent me to an endocrinologist, you know, abundant tests and, you know, weeks and weeks later. And this endocrinologist says, yes, you have thyroid cancer. But guess what? Of all the cancers, this is the one that takes the longest to kill you. So you should be fine. Oh, my God. Is that exactly how he said it? She, oh, that is exactly she... how she said it. Yeah. So here am I. I'm hearing cancer. But don't worry about it, you'll be fine. I'm like, um, those two things don't go together. Something's no, not right. They don't. So at that point, was the cancer stage four? No, so at that point, it we, it will it didn't even have a label because it was like, hey, it's not gonna kill you. So I went back to my GP and I said, look, all the things that you've investigated so far, my adrenals are kaput. He diagnosed me with Cushing syndrome. And I said, this endo that you sent me to says it's nothing to worry about. And he said, well, cancer is cancer. doesn't matter where it is. Right. It doesn't follow a rule book. It doesn't follow a playbook. I'm not sure why she said it's going to take forever to kill you. It's still going to kill you. <laughs> like, you know, we have to do something. Yeah. So that's when we started, you know, looking more into it. We, we changed endocrinologists and I ended up uh, having meetings with a, a surgeon and you know the surgeon did a few biopsies which I wasn't happy about because if anyone's had biopsies they're not pleasant and there's a lot of theories that biopsies spread the cancer they pierce the encapsulated cancer and spread the cells so I really wasn't happy but what came from this investigation was that it wasn't just in my thyroid it was in my lymph nodes. So that's when the surgeon explained, once it hits your lymphatic system, it's now considered stage four. It's on the move. It's not just a thyroid cancer. Right. It's something you have to do something about. And so she basically said, listen, clear your calendar because your category one, priority one, I want you on that table as soon as possible because it's on the move. And that was kind of scary because at this point, I was a single parent of two young boys or two young teen boys and going through a terrible divorce at the same time. Oh. And, you know, it was just like, what else is going to happen? And what year was this? So this was now 2015. Okay. So it had all kind of accelerated from my first, I can't swallow what's wrong with me. Why is my weight coming back? to category one, priority one, get on that surgery table. It was about six months 
of acceleration of the process. So I really didn't have a lot of time to think about it. And I mentioned I was going through a divorce. Well, unfortunately, the lawyers on both sides, you know, you have to be open and and uh, free with information to your lawyer. So I said, hey, I've just been di- diagnosed with cancer. And so in order for me to keep my children, I was basically forced to have the surgery, which I didn't want. I actually wanted to look at more natural ways of treating it. But my lawyer said, well, if you don't have the surgery, now that you have a cancer diagnosis, particularly now at stage four, the courts could say that you're being irresponsible and you know not a good adult role model for the kids because you're not taking your cancer seriously. So there was no way then for me to look at more natural means other than surgery. I was backed into a corner. So were you having had, a, a custody battle, it sounds like? Yeah, custody, settlement, okay. the whole shebang. Oh, goodness. So, you know, here I was forced to have the surgery and, you know, things happen for a reason. So originally they said the cancer was on the right side of my thyroid. But when I went into surgery, apparently it was right across the whole back of the thyroid. And in the process of trying to remove what they could, um, they destroyed two parathyroid uh, organs and had to move two. So, and they removed a whole chunk of lymph nodes. So now I have this lovely lymphedema that I'm left with. Um, so yeah, when I came to, my neck was in a cage. I was on a ward with three other people and the surgeon comes along and says, mm, was going to remove half your thyroid, but had to take the whole thing and a whole bunch of lymph nodes. You should be fine now. Yay. Happy days. Yay. Congrats. Oh, jeez. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't tell me anything about lymphedema, what removing those lymph nodes was going to do, what removing the whole thyroid was going to do, right? what destroying my parathyroids was going to do. It was kind of none of that till about a week later. And it was like, oh, now you have to watch your calcium levels because your parathyroids are in charge of that. And you're going to have weight issues probably for the rest of your life because, you know, your thyroid has a big part to do with that. And, uh, yeah, you know, your, your lymph nodes, well, sorry, but now you're going to get lymphedema. And we also stuffed your neck up a bit. So there was a lot going on. But, you know, at the end of the day, that was 2015. We're now in 2022 and I'm alive. So, you know, we can look back and go, I wish I hadn't done this or I wish I hadn't done that in my life. But you've got to look at the result. And, you know, I'm seven years on. I don't bury my head in the sand. I, I check my cancer markers every year and I'm like, I'm on top of this. I've done the natural treatments post-surgery, so I didn't have chemo. And I didn't have radiation because all of my Googling led to that's not a good idea for me. I'm not saying it's not a good idea for everyone, but for me, that wasn't a good idea. Did they recommend that? Was that, I mean, was it recommended? I'm just curious because radiation. They did recommend it very strenuously. Both? Yeah, both. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, because radiation is used a lot with uh, thyroid. Yeah, and I spoke to a radiation uh, specialist, someone that actually does it two people well, on people not two people on people and he said where it is you run a very high risk of your jaw being disintegrated 
or your collarbone. And I went, hmm. I don't like the word wrist, jaw, collarbone altogether, so that's not for me. Uh, So, yeah, I threw myself into natural therapies to make sure it didn't come back. I do check my markers. Like I said, you know, not generalised advice for anyone, but you've got to do what's right for you. And for me, taking the more natural route, healing the things that had caused the cancer, looking for the root cause of, okay, this is why this happened and then treating those was the pathway that I took and that's led me to where I am today. So I want to ask because it was an issue with your at that time soon to be ex-husband when you decided like you said okay I did the surgery had to do it but when you decided not to do the recommended let's say sort of western standard of care right did that become an issue or was the divorce settled at that point? No, the divorce was still going on. So for me to give in and have the surgery, I cut a deal. <gasps> and so I said, all right, but if I have the surgery, I don't have to do the other Western medical treatments afterwards. Good so for you I for cutting that deal. Surgery. Yeah, I will give in on this point even though I really do not want it but after that I do it my way and so you know there was a bit of um brokering the deal going on and yeah so that that was my give and take was your ex-husband sympathetic at all no no actually while I was in surgery literally in surgery that's when the divorce went through and I actually didn't even know that was all going on. I knew it was coming up, but I didn't know that would be the day. So I wasn't even in court. So the divorce was granted. Look, I wanted a divorce too, but the divorce was granted. And then the huge long settlement process of the next three years started. Oh Lord. I know I could at least go into that settlement going, yeah, I did the surgery. You wanted me to do it. I did it. And now I'm dealing with the rest of it you know unfortunately my attention was more on my health than the settlement not unfortunately because your health is everything but I lost out big time in the settlement because I was focused on I need to be alive for my kids so I fought for my kids and I fought for my health and I lost all the assets so you know when you look at the scale of life there's a balance and Getting my health was the most important thing next to having my kids. Oh, I agree. Because if you don't have your health, you can't do anything else. You can't do all this other thing. How long were you married out of curiosity? 14 years. 14 years. Wow. So So, your kids were preteens or teens, right? Yep. What was their reaction? Because that couldn't have been easy. The divorce was already going on and all this stuff. But then they find out their their mother has cancer. Yeah, look, the whole time I was in bed with the chronic fatigue, they were brilliant. You know, they would bring their homework in and lie on my bed and, you know, do it at my feet. And so they were really, really good. And they're good kids, they're good boys. But when I got the diagnosis and the surgeon told me, you know, category one, priority one, you're stage four, like we can't deal with this you've basically got a year to live 
if you don't do anything, and even once you've done the surgery, because you're saying no to chemo and radiation, we're still going to give you a year because you're not doing it the way we know to do it. Right. So I had to have that conversation with my kids and I had to say, listen, mummy might not be here next year. And they just lost a father. So I'm it, you know, and and so looking at their faces was really probably the hardest thing. And that is what forced me to go, I need to look deeper. You know, I need to find out why did this happen? Not run around and go, okay, this happened now, what do I do? But why did this happen? Because if that why isn't fixed, it could happen again. And I never want to see their faces, you know, with tears rolling down their faces again. Not like this. I can't leave them. So having that prior to this, I want to ask prior to this, were you involved in health and natural health? Like, was that part of your, your life? I had dabbled. So I had actually owned a gym a special populations gym, and I had done my clinical nutrition advanced diploma. So I knew a whole lot of mainstream health and fitness, but I didn't know, I guess, what I know now, you know, the holistic approach. So this is why those flags had come up. Why was my weight coming back? Why was I exhausted? I was doing all the the right things. And, you know, so here I was in this situation. But, yeah, you know, really looking at the root cause was something that was new to me. And how how did you go about doing that? I find that so interesting. Yeah, I had to learn about all the body systems, like crash course, which system does what and why and which other system does it talk to. And I really did have to throw myself in the deep end. So, of course, I started with thyroid because... It was a thyroid cancer. And so I started studying the work of Isabella Wentz as a thyroid pharmacist. And then I started looking at um, Don Tolman's work with the doctrine of signatures. And, you know, I was already introducing, so I was kind of in that world. So I looked at all of that. And then I came across Dr. Perry Nicholson because I developed lymphedema and he's a lymphatic specialist. And, you know, I looked at Anthony William, the medical medium. I looked at all of his stuff and threw myself into all of that and went, okay, some of this is good. Some of it's out there. I'll just take what I need. And, you know, I was looking at T. Colin Campbell, who developed um, several courses and wrote the book Whole about the whole body. And then I met Dr. Stuart Gillespie, who's my current mentor, and uh, he taught me about how to look at all the systems of the body working together and how to find a root cause. So, you know, there was a lot going on, a lot of study behind the scenes. And, you know, I'm so blessed that I could find these mentors to work with and study under and study the work of. And it's not any one particular modality. You know, it was it was years of research. So here I am today, seven years on, you know, I treat my whole body. I've still got some issues. My weight never dropped back off again. And, you know, I've got the lymphedema and I've got some damage from the surgery in my neck and I get on every day and work through it and address the root cause. Now I get to help other people do that too. 
So for you, what was the root cause? There was a number of root causes for me. Okay, so the first thing was my loss of sense of self. Mm. This sounds a little bit woo-woo, but when we're disconnected from ourself, be it through a trauma or be it through what we're saying to ourselves every day, you know, like, example, you know, someone would come up to me, so Magic, who are you? And I'd go, well, I was a wife and now I'm, I'm a mom and I'm a business owner and I'm a friend and I'm a daughter. Okay, but who are you? I go, yeah, those are all in relationship to other yeah, people. Yeah, I, I didn't know who I was. So that was a big thing. And it was what I was saying to myself, you know, the, oh, I'm fat, I'm overweight, or I'm I'm dumb, I can't get this, or, you know, things like that. And we all say things like that to ourselves. That creates trauma. And so what happens when you have trauma is your nervous system responds. And it goes, wow, something's dangerous here. And it's a thought, but the nervous system doesn't know it's a thought. It's something dangerous. So it responds. So we get things like nerve pain or we get the chronic fatigue or, you know, we get uh, gut dysbiosis because the motility is not there or, you know, we get migraines or there's a lot going on that the nervous system can do because there's a trauma. And then what happens is our endocrine system responds. So my endocrine system had already had its own trauma with the surgery, with the cancer, you know, the lymph nodes, like that's all part of it. And so the endocrine system responds. So you can get, you know, hot flashes when you get stressed or you get dizziness or nausea or, you know, whatever. It's trying to keep you safe because that's the body's job. Right. And then when all these things have happened, the immune system responds. My immune system was like, no, I'm out. Tap out, not doing this because I'm going to shut you down to keep you safe. But this is the PNEI system of trauma. And trauma was a lot of my root cause. It was childhood trauma. It was marital trauma. It was um, medical trauma. And then it was surgical trauma. And it was the divorce trauma. And it was moving my kids to a whole new city trauma. All of this was going on. So that was a big part of my root cause. Some of the other part of my root cause was toxicity. You know, when I my kids were little, I thought it was brilliant that I could keep my house spotlessly clean and disinfected within an inch of its life. <laughs> Literally. Really? There was with yeah, two no, boys, really? Two boys, I know, right? I dropped something and I'd be there with the, the we have Glenn 20 here, which is a disinfectant. Oh, Glenn well, 20 said, on the floor. You know, know. Like Monica from Friends, like if the slightest thing dropped <laughs> on the floor, you know, she was I would like, literally follow them around with the dust yeah, buster. But yeah. I didn't know that wasn't healthy. I thought it was, but I didn't know back then that it wasn't healthy. These kids need to get dirty and get microbes and go outside and, you know, put the hand in the dirt and put it to their face and, you know, drop something off the floor and eat it again. Like that's what you're supposed to do as a child to build up your resilience for your immune system. But our house, no, it was spotless the whole time. So, you know, there was that. There was toxicity because I was using chemical cleaners, chemical disinfectants, bleach in the toilet. Like I didn't know back then what right. I was doing. You know, I was buying packaged foods because two kids two years apart and a, 
the husband that was doing shift work back then, you know, you, you've got to have something convenient, don't you? Right. You've got to feed your family, right? Yeah. So there was toxicity was a big part of my root cause. And, you know, there was a lot more to that. I pre-kids was a very heavy drinker. In fact, I was an alcoholic. And, uh, you know, I only stopped because I got pregnant. But I was really? also anorexic. So I was an that's alcoholic what... anorexic before I got pregnant. So that sobered you up, getting pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way to go cold turkey. Yeah. So it, it is a combination, know, the... by the way, you don't hear very often. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't really treated my body with nutrients. Right. So that was the other thing missing. So I've got high toxicity, high trauma, low nutrients, and low lack of understanding of what I was doing to myself. So when I'm looking at root cause, there's a whole bundle in there that yeah. are just a perfect storm for what was going to happen later. So what do you think about Chinese medicine where they believe emotions reside in certain organs or even uh, the chakra system? So when I think back to root cause with my thyroid, Yes, thyroid disease runs in my family. It's very genetic. It's more common in women than men. But, you know, if you put your hand on your throat, you're listening and out watching, that's where your thyroid is. And in yoga, in the the meditative part of yoga, that would indicate that you're not speaking your voice. You're not speaking your truth, right? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's got a big part to play in it. And I looked at that as well. So I learned about the chakras and about meridians and, and yeah. all of those things. And yes, what had I done for my whole marriage? I didn't speak up. Mm. Nobody knew how bad things were at, at the house. You know, I would put on this, I guess we call it an Instagram life now, but it wasn't back then, you know, and I would have parties christmas parties and things like that and everything's great no yeah and but my closest friends would say not once during this party did you look at your husband smile at him or stand by his side oh so they noticed they noticed they right noticed. but no one ever spoke up because i didn't speak up so there was a lot going on that i didn't speak up about and you know i look back now at the time that i was married and i entered it being a loudmouth, self-assured woman who knew what she wanted in life. In fact, I only got married because my biological clock was ticking. <laughs> and somehow in my head, I'd convinced myself you can't have a baby out of wedlock. Really dumb idea in hindsight. But anyway. So how old were you when you got married? I was oh, 27. Okay, you were still pretty young. 26. And then yeah, baby yeah. at 27, baby at 29. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. But the clock was tick, tick, ticking. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I had entered the marriage pretty much being a person that would do whatever I wanted to do whenever I wanted to do it, you know, travel, so I got, I got asked, race what cars, happened? whatever. And then I became a doormat. So what happened? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I lost who I was. That's That's what happened. Um, so I became the wife, the mum, and nothing else. You know, and that was like the robotic mission that I was on. 
and I didn't speak up about what was happening in the home. And when I did, I told my mother who basically told me, well, this is what you decided, so deal with it, you know. Have suck, it, it. suck it up is what suck your mother up, said. Princess, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I, again, with her, never said, hey, this is how I feel about our relationship. So from all these toxic relationships, I was just taking the punches and sometimes literally just taking the punches but never speaking up. Even when I had my gym, I would go to work and my staff would go, what's the mark on your neck? And I'd go, it's nothing, nothing, nothing's going on, everything's fine, I'm your boss, keep your mouth shut, you know. So there was a lot going on. My kids would ask me, you know, what was that noise last night? And I'd go, that's nothing. It's probably a possum or something. Don't worry about it. So they didn't need to know it was, was me. Abusive. Yeah, getting slammed against the wall or, you know. Oh. So, again, I, I didn't speak up and I lost who I was was the main thing. Because not only did I not speak up to anyone else, I didn't speak up to myself. So when I had those thoughts of you need to leave, you need to get out of here, I'd go, no, shut up. There's a roof over our heads. There's money in the bank. Kids are at school. Everything's fine. Like everything's fine. You don't matter anymore. And so that, you know, going to your point of Chinese medicine, yes, I didn't speak up, but I didn't speak up to myself either. Right. And I knew it wasn't right, but I suppressed my voice. Did the thyroid cancer, you know, evolve from me suppressing myself? quite possibly but I also had liver toxicity which you know I'm still battling now and was that just from all the chemicals I was using in my home mm, probably not I was angry and I was fearful and I was ashamed and if you look in Chinese medicine at all of the emotions stored in the liver yeah liver is anger. anger yeah anger envy fear shame well I had all of that I would look at my friends and their marriages and I would go, oh, wow, you know, look at look at them. I'm so envious. So not only was my throat chakra closed off, all right, but I had lack of self-belief, lack of self-love and a lot of liver stuff. So my solar plexus was shut as well. Right. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the background. And, and yes, Chinese medicine, you know, time eternal information i think it's something we can't not look at well i asked about that because i think you know a little of my story that's what my sister believed she believed that her liver cancer came out of her intense anger for, to our mother for abandoning her and to her father we had different fathers for dying before she was even born and she had not dealt with or really resolved any of that anger. And I know for myself, I have had my gallbladder removed and I know the gallbladder's specifically resentment. And I know why I was resentful. You know, I know why I won't go into it, but, but I know why and, and how that happened. Um, and then also since my sister died, um, it's gotten so much better now because I've healed a lot now, but there was a solid 10 years where I had bronchitis and pneumonia constantly and grief 
and sadness lives in our lungs, according to Chinese medicine. Yeah. And so I just, I find it really fascinating. And I will add one more thing, because I just so feel you about looking at other people's marriages. But if there is one thing I realize now, you don't have a clue what's going on inside of a marriage. Like even before totally. Instagram, right? Yeah, it's just so strange. And, and it, I think it has gotten worse with Instagram culture and with portraying this perfection all the time. Tell me now, what was your worst moment in all of it? I would have to say the worst moment was telling my kids mummy might not be here next year. That was the hardest thing because I was trying to get my head around it. Right. But to tell two kids that had been, you know, uprooted from their life, that had years of trauma in the family home and now being moved to a different city and, you know, they weren't happy about the divorce either because of the proceedings. My eldest actually even emailed my ex's lawyer and said, hey, tell him to stop this because, you know, I'm 14 and I have ideas of my own. <laughs> oh, my God, and, bless him. And I caught the blame for that. <laughs> well, of course. He did. was like, you know, tell my father to get out of it. <laughs> like, put your head in. Um, so, you know, they'd been dealing with all of this. And then for me to say, you know what, the one person that's always been there for you, the one person that loves you no matter what might die. That, I guess, was the rock bottom moment. Yeah. Yeah. What was your best moment? Best moment? Wow. <laughs> I would have to say coming home from the hospital. Yeah. Because the moment I walked into my house and my kids, you know, ran to me and the dogs ran to me and the cats just glared at me from the benches. Yeah. You know, the As cats, cats will do. <laughs> it was like, oh, the feeder person's back. Great. <laughs> slave is she's back you well know? you know what they say dogs have owners cats have staff yes exactly so the <laughs> staff was back yeah but mm -hmm. that was the best moment walking back in because that's uh -huh. when I went okay I've hit rock bottom now I have to bring myself up yeah because now I have all of these little faces looking at me and I can't ever abandon them again so you know it sounds like it probably wouldn't be the best moment for a lot of people, but for me it was. I'm very much give me a mission and I will get there. You know, give me a goal and I will reach it. And so for me, looking at everyone's faces, I was like, uh -huh, this isn't about me. This is about them. So because I still had no sense of self at this point, that was enough to get me going. And in the process of that, I found myself. So I wasn't just you know, the, the slave to the cats and I wasn't just the owner <laughs> to the dogs and the mum to the kids. I was a person and I had thoughts and feelings of my own. And so from that moment I had to say to the kids, I've always put you guys number one in my life. Now you're number two because I'm number one because I can't be who you want me to be unless I am who I am. So I say that, that is the best amazing. Moment. That you actually said that? That is yeah. incredible. Yeah. What's one thing you wish you had known at the beginning when you received that finally definitive diagnosis? 
wish I'd known I had options mm. that I didn't know because I was so entrenched in the medical system back then. You know, I'm I'm not putting it down. If that's where you want to go, then that's where you want to go. But I wish I knew I had options and I just didn't feel like I did. You know, I'd had medical gaslighting for years, being told nothing was wrong, take it to a pinnacle of the diagnosis and, you know, I just didn't know enough. Uh, now, you know, I'm fully self-empowered and I know what's going on. But, yeah, I, I guess that is one thing that was an issue. Yeah. I hear a lot of people say that because often they're just rushed, right, into yeah. into something. So Yeah. So if you could only do one thing to improve healthcare in Australia, where you live, what would it be and why? Would be getting everyone to look at root cause. Would be looking at your full history. You know, here the doctors have 15 minutes to talk to you and you don't see the same doctor every time. You might see, you know, a registrar or someone that's just come into the country or you might see someone that's about to retire. Like it, you know, you don't have that continuum of care anymore. So, you know, it's knowing your own full medical history and jotting down every symptom and putting it all on a timeline so that when you find a practitioner like me or like my colleagues, that's what we're going to look at. Yeah. We're going to look at what happened first, not the symptom that you're dealing with now because we don't chase symptoms, but where did it come from? And you are the holder of your information. I would love to see people around the world, not just in Australia, understand or rather comprehend that their medical information, their symptomology, their timeline of health events is their information and it's their responsibility. So that if you do see another practitioner or you do see another doctor, you're not starting from square one all over again because yeah. Every time you have to retell the whole story, I know, God. you're traumatizing yourself. So mm. what we've created, unfortunately, to this age is not a wellness system, but an illness system. Yeah, I agree. So it's, you know, consumerism, it's reductionism. So it's treating things in isolation now. And it's let's make you buy these pills or let's make you buy this health insurance or, you know, whatever it is, it's all about the dollar spend and it's all about treating one thing at a time, not looking at the whole body and going, how did this happen? Why is this happening? And what does that correlate to that? Like, you know, we have to look at the big picture. We've just become so used to practitioners, medical people, whoever, just going, Oh, so you've got a sore throat. Let's treat the sore throat. What a shame that throat's sore. Take this, buy that, do this. Not why is the throat sore? Mm -hmm. What pathogen is there? What has triggered that pathogen? What dysbiosis has caused this pathogen to overflourish? You know, we're not looking at the root cause of things anymore. We've allowed that to happen as a population. And we need to take our power back now and say, no, it's not my symptom. And it's not about popping a pill. It's about what is happening underneath and you need to care. 
because guess what? They won't care until you tell them that they need to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You have to, you just have to stand up for yourself constantly. It's exhausting. Yeah. You Be do. your own advocate. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Magic. Are you ready for the Thriver rapid fire? Let's do it. Okay. Beach, desert, or mountains? Mountains. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beatles. What is one word that best describes you? Agitating. <laughs> what? I agitate people. I make them think or I, I annoy them into making a move. <laughs> Who I am. <laughs> oh, my God. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? Center of the Sun by Conjure One. And the last meal you want to eat? Chicken Kiev. <laughs> so terrible with peas. <laughs> no, are you kidding me? I would eat everything that's bad for me that I can't eat now. You know? Yeah. And I have a bottle of wine with it too. So yeah. Uh, the last person or people you want to see? My boys. And how old are they now? They are now 23 and almost 21. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And the last words you will speak. I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that might be one of my favorite responses <laughs> of all time. Um, Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. If you just listened, you know, just listen. Um, aside from Cancer You, what's the blood resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And please tell people how they can get in touch with you. Uh, the one resource would be my mentor's website, which is innateimmunity.com and people can get hold of me at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au that's holistic with a w all right we will make sure to put that in the show notes and the workshop notes magic thank you so much for coming back on and making this happen i know we've had so many technical difficulties but i think people are really going to get so much out of hearing your story pleasure thanks for having me Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories.